Well, that's what, one of the things I do is I, I watch in meetings and make sure somebody's talking with a newcomer because you'd be surprised. Sometimes someone will say they're new and then everyone goes into their groups and the newcomer stands there. And then I always give them my number and, and then just say, if you want to get a cup of coffee or just shoot the breeze, you know, be happy to do that. And uh, that's how I go about it. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic from Greensboro, North Carolina. Where, North Carolina? Greensboro. Greensboro. <laughs> hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. <laughs> Do you get the daily quote? I get the email. Yeah, it's available in the app, too, right? Yeah, it comes up in the app. I get the email as well. You can sign up on aagrapevine.org. I just love it. I got one that said, um, I went to Paris when I was young to become an artist. I wanted to be rich and famous, but God had another plan. I'm neither rich nor famous. Instead, I got sober. Except, Don, and I know you relate to this. Yeah. And I know that uh, your wife has kind of smacked you around a little bit about it, too. And I love it because you are famous now, yeah. anonymously. Anonymously famous. I know. <laughs> she told me, as long as I've been married to you, you've been trying to get famous your whole life, playing in bands, doing paintings and artwork, trying to have a big show and trying to make it in New York and writing plays and performing them. And now you're finally famous and you've got to be anonymous. (laughs) 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 She really took a lot of pleasure in it. I was a list maker. You know, I I made all kinds of lists for these grandiose ideas. and, and, And sometimes they were really good ones, too. They're great ideas. Well, but the problem was when I sobered up, I didn't know what I was talking about when I was drunk. It's like, what? wait, what did drunk Sam mean when he wrote this? <laughs> or it would require mm, diligence and continuous effort slowly towards a goal. <laughs> I, I didn't have time for that. Or I couldn't do it perfectly on the first try, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Hey, Don, we're planning a new type of segment for the podcast. It just came up from this wonderful conversation you and Alice and I were having. And we're going to call it A Newcomer Asks after the AA pamphlet of the same name. And we're asking you, dear listener, to send us questions you've asked as a newcomer or been asked by a newcomer. Make a list of four or five questions that you had or you've heard somebody ask. You can email those to podcast at aagrapevine.org. Or you can call them in with the number that is 212-870-3418. That's whatever he said. Also available on aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Sam, who's our guest today? Oh, good. We're moving on. Don, today we welcome Ted C. from New Jersey. Hey, Sam. How can I support the Grapevine podcast? Since the grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even in the podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. Wait, what? If you want to support this podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store or subscribe in the new Grapevine app.
name is Ted. I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is April 1st of 1990. And I think you mentioned New Jersey. That's where I got sober, but I've moved about eight times in sobriety. It's given me an interesting perspective of AA around the country. And um, currently I'm in uh, East Tennessee where I'm semi-retired. Oh, wow. What is the difference in AA? Simply put, I would say the accents. It's really cool to have lived around the country, but also just go to AA meetings and uh, when I've been on vacation or whatnot and uh, hear the different phrases people use, the accents, their speed of speech. Um, but it's still AA. And I'll tell you what, and I'm not trying to do a commercial for AA, but my goodness, the friendship, the camaraderie, the welcoming, the desire to help people. That's everywhere. Even uh, been in meetings under a banyan tree in uh, Key West. I've been to a meeting in a 300-year-old church in London. AA is more like than not all over. One of the things that I loved noting in my travels is that it's the same characters in every room. They just got different names. My wife once told me in a heart-to-heart because I moved for my job. And she said, you know, we'll move somewhere and like I have to reestablish a new set of friends and it takes a while and the neighborhood and the things we go to. She goes, you go to three meetings and you got all the friends you need. When I was traveling, I was doing so for work and I would travel with a uh, another person that was doing the work with me and they were not an alcoholic. And every time I, we were in these locales, they were envious that I had instant connection with people and people taking me to restaurants that were not touristy places and things like that. Ted, this sounds like AA is really working in your life. How did you come to AA? What was the point where you surrendered? Well, what I was doing before AA wasn't working. I like to say, and, and it's a good memory for me, that I didn't pop in for a tune-up. Or I've heard people say, you know, I didn't come in on a winning streak. You know, I came in with my tail between my legs. I couldn't stop drinking and driving, no matter how hard I tried. I had this horrible image that uh, I was going to get in an accident, and it wasn't going to be me, but it was going to be a mom and her children. I even had a little speech prepared in my head if I was going to get pulled over, and I was going to hand the keys to the officer and say, you need to take these away. I'm going to hurt someone. Take away you know, my keys take away my access to vehicles. When you're sort of that desperate for help, but you can't stop yourself. I think that was, you know, one descriptive aspect of, of my bottom, just really, really wanting to stop, enjoying the occasional night that I wouldn't drink, but just always finding myself back drunk. It sounds like that you were t- completely aware that you're in trouble. Please take this away from me. Why couldn't you surrender? Well, you, you've asked that million-dollar question, and I'd say it out loud to myself. Why can't I stop when it's everything that I want? Later, I came to realize that's what helped define me as an alcoholic, that I couldn't stop despite everything I wanted. I think there's a saying out there, like in the program, you know, if you get desperate enough, you know, as a last resort, call your sponsor, right? Or something like that. But um, for me, I I wasn't in the program. And so as a last resort, a desperation, I called out to God and I, I said, I know you're there. I believe in you. I need your help. I can't do this. And within 24 hours, I was in my first AA meeting in New Jersey. I wasn't really fully committed to necessarily staying with it. Like any good alcoholic, I'm like, I know I really have a bad problem, but maybe I can just do a little thing and it'll go away or whatever, you know, looking for the silver bullet. 
But if you'd have told me that I'd be um, sober 33 years later, you could knock me over with a feather, really. It's an unimaginable thing, you know, coming into these rooms to to think that long-term sobriety is even an option. So what did you do when you came to AA? Well, I called the number and they said, gave me a bunch of information that I didn't understand. I heard the word beginner. I'm like, that's me. It's got to be me. So I went to a beginner meeting. And there something uh, happened that was definitely a a God moment for me, which is a a fella came up to me and told me he'd be my sponsor. He didn't ask. He told me. We talked after the meeting, of course. And then um, I met him two nights later at another meeting. And then I I met him a couple of times. I don't know if he was just exceedingly smart or whether it was another God thing. But um, what he said to me essentially was, look, you're still not completely sure if you have a problem, which is odd because I just told Don that I was convinced to the core of my DNA that I had a problem, but here I am with this guy in an A and meeting going, well, you know, yeah. right, maybe. So he said something to me that I've really never heard anyone else say in an A meeting. He goes, I have an idea. Why don't you just try AA for 90 days? He didn't say that do a meeting every day. He just said 90 days. And it was on April 1st or right around uh, April 1st, my sobriety date. He said, look, one of two things is going to happen. He goes, either you're going to clean up, you're going to detox, you're going to get healthy, your body's going to kind of level out, you're going to save some money. April, May, June, it'll be the summer. You can go out and just tear it up, buddy. You can just tear it up if you, after 90 days, you're convinced that you're not an alcoholic. He goes, but if over the course of the 90 days, you come to the conclusion that you are, maybe you'll want to do something about it. I don't know if it's heretical or not, but he basically didn't pitch me the one day at a time. He said 90-day block of time. I think the reason he did that, guys, was because he knew that there were days that I could stay sober, or meaning not drink. I wasn't sober, but, and he didn't want me to go a day and be like, well, I must not be, you know, an alcoholic. He wanted me to stop and stay stopped. So he pitched that 90-day idea, and somewhere around day 70 or 71, when I realized that I had no friends who weren't heavy drinkers, I had no interest that wasn't around drinking, I had no social hangouts that weren't around drinking, that my whole life revolved around finding the next you know, drink or, or drug, uh, that I went into a meeting. Oh, up until that day 70, I said, my name is Ted, and I'm a problem drinker. That'll bring you a lot of attention. <laughs> I think it was day 70, 71, something like that. I went into a meeting and I said what I've been saying for a long time now, which is my name is Ted and I am an alcoholic. You know, my sponsor said a similar thing to me. It wasn't about going to meetings, but I was intellectually superior to AA. And uh, <laughs> and I had lots of thinking that I, and writing that I had done about spirituality so I gave that to him to read, and I don't know whether he read it or not, but he came back a week later, and he said that he had read it. He probably glanced at it, and he said, I've got an idea. Why don't we take this and put it on the shelf for three months and see what happens, and you focus on AA and do everything AA has to offer and see what happens. And then at the end of three months, we'll take this back down and see if you want to continue. I was going, well, that seems reasonable. So it's a great strategy to just experiment. Why don't you try an experiment of getting sober? Set aside. The set aside. For me, one of the things that was going on with my sponsor uh, in early recovery, those early days, was 
I'm a figurer outer. I got to figure these things out. And one thing that showed up working with her was that I needed to take that out from in front of me and let those wheels spin over here on the side and do what's in front of me. I don't need to figure it out. I can't stop myself from trying to, but don't let it get in the way. That's what was in my way. And I had to just like, let's not try to figure this out for a period of time. Now that I've figured it all out, that's different. <laughs> but <laughs> Ted, you basically agreed to 90 days. How did the steps work for you? And I appreciate you asking that, because if there's one of the things that I always am sure to touch on, if I ever, I've never done something like this before, but I've certainly done my talks from the podium, has been the immense power, the central foundational core of step work. All my sponsors have been adamant step workers. And over the years, I've tried different things with my own sponsees. You know, you need to call me every day. You need to go to the meeting I do. I've tried a whole bunch of different things. None of them really seem to work. But the one thing I basically say is if I'm going to be your sponsor, like my sponsors did with me, we will need to work the steps. If, if we're working the steps, then we have a sponsor-sponsee relationship. So I definitely worked the in that first 90 days, the first, the second, the third. I did my fourth and fifth with that sponsor probably four, five, six months into the program. When I say I fell in love with the steps, I would say, as they say in the programs, we're not stupid people. We're smart enough to recognize some some good things and the steps. It wasn't hard for me to see that there was life in these steps and peace and joy and answers to the things that had been plaguing me for my life up to that point. So I still do step meetings, work the steps, read the steps, talk about the steps. I go to a meeting with the first uh, meeting of the month. We, you know, we cover the step that uh, corresponds to that month. I love step work. I could talk about it forever. So I'll, I'll be quiet. So you said that you saw the value of the steps and you could very quickly, you could see that this, this is a good idea. These things are good. But what about the threat of the steps? Was any of them a threat? Uh, I certainly had my moments. I really struggled with my fourth step. So I, I did go back to the third step. And what I realized was that I was doing the fourth step. That's the inventory step. Yeah. The vengeful God was looking over my shoulder and going, that's right. And don't forget this and don't forget that. And then you did this and... The whole thing was pretty uh, painful, but my sponsor coached me into thinking your higher power who brought you into this program, he knows these things. With the fourth step, all you're really doing is letting him know that you know that he knows. That's all you're really doing. Ted, doing that first fourth step, how long do you think it took you to complete that first fourth step so you were ready to do the fifth step? So the first one I struggled with, I stopped, I backed up, I went to the third. Then I went into it with a different mentality. I was lucky. My sponsor gave me these sheets of paper that asked every question that you could possibly imagine. So it took the onus off of me from, you know, what question should I ask into what answer should I write down? Mm -hmm. I would say I wrote uh, 24 pages worth and it took me a month to do it and immediately went into the fifth step, which I think is a very good recommendation for anyone. He's like, when you're done, let's go. Let's do a fifth step. And Sam, when I did that fifth step, it was one of those God moments. It would scare the heck out of a lot of people, I think, to do a fifth step. And I get it. I do, which is why when people do them with me, I try to put them at ease and 
make for a comfortable setting and things like that. But my fist step was like the cinder blocks fell off my shoulders and it was mm-hmm. a, it was a wonderful experience. It, I, I, I can't imagine that I was going to go through life without having done a fourth and a fifth. I've been reading this book uh, that I just got at a meeting that is called Back to Basics. The proposal is to work the steps in four one-hour sessions, one a week. All the steps. So in one month, go through all the steps. I'd read or heard that too, and I remember thinking, I get it. I can see that. I can see the power and the benefit of that, but I'm glad that's not how it was for me and my sponsor. We would work each step until we felt like we both sort of agreed and it wasn't a debate or a negotiation. It was just sort of a, it's time to move on to the, you know, to the next step. So we didn't set time limits on them. I think the only time limit was let's do the fifth right after you're done the fourth, but we just sort of took our natural pace with them. I guess I did the fourth and fifth somewhere around six months into the program and I'd probably gotten through all 12 steps within the first year, year and a half. I like to do things thoroughly and um, I'm glad I did. So one of the things I love about working the steps is that it is an ongoing thing in my life. I've made a commitment uh, that I am going to work the steps with every new sponsor that I get because it's a fantastic way for us both to get to know each other. The first time that I went through the steps was really in so many ways an introduction to working the steps because it is something that I continue to do in my life. Talking about this fourth and fifth step. So it took you maybe a month to, uh, to do that first fourth step. You said one, one to two, but that was, that was it. I worked on it hard almost every night, partly because the experience I had the first time, I definitely wanted to keep moving and get through it. So how long does it take you to, uh, to knock out a fourth step today? I'm more focused on the 10th step. And given the number of mistakes that I make, I'd say it's, I spend a decent amount of time. <laughs> when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. Who oh boy. 10 continued to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And it's absolutely important for me to review my day. Uh, but and, and throughout the day, be doing that as well. Uh, but, you know, there are things that can fall through the cracks. There are things that can go unnoticed. And I think that that's where it's proven useful for me to uh, to work the steps again periodically uh, and do that deep cleaning, if you will, uh, of the soul searching of a fourth step. But don't you think it becomes easier as the longer you're sober to be able to see myself? Uh, sometimes I have blind spots and that's why I still have a sponsor. Yeah. And I think it's nice to the point that Sam made. So I moved from Jersey to St. Louis and I had a wonderful sponsor there and we did go through the steps. I mean, one of my fond memories is I'd leave work and he'd leave work and we'd meet in a park for lunch and pick a step and, you know, work through it. And I've moved around the country and, and had a number of different sponsors. And it's been fun to do step work with each of them and get their thoughts or also to listen to podcasts or read books. I did an extensive deep dive into the, the step six, because I believe it's uh, one of the more powerful steps, one of the more underrated steps. And I still, right over here on my bookshelf, have a really good book on step six. And I'm, I'm glad I delved into that. And that was years after I got sober. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Yeah, each of those words, we're entirely ready to have God, not me, <laughs> remove all 
Each of those words tripped me up for a while. So, Ted, what's your recovery like today? What kind of meetings you go to? What do you? How do you stay sober? I like to mix it up. One of my sponsors said that uh, it's important uh, to have continuity and people that know you, but it's also important not to get into a rut. So I like to visit other meetings. One of my meetings, the structure is we do the step the first week of that month. We do the second meeting. We do the tradition uh, corresponding that month. And the third is we listen to you guys. We do a podcast. We put it out on the table and that's how I know your voice so well. And so we listen to your, <laughs> wow. uh, one of the podcasts and then we turn that off and we talk about how we would have done it better and how we're so much. <laughs> and don't forget how wrong Don was. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You play the whole podcast. We listen to your, we see the intro. We listen to the speaker. I mean, it's about half an hour. So we, uh, we do half an hour and then do half an hour of Q and A. And it's a really good meeting. It's also a way to bring quote unquote speakers into your meeting without them having to travel. So we really aren't at a lack of dialogue when we do turn the podcast off and open it up for, discussion. It's fun. Is it by chance a, a hybrid meeting? Is it is it online as well as in person? Uh, no, that one's just an in-person meeting, but I do online meetings. Like uh, one of the things that came out of the, the pandemic was, you know, Zoom exploded and I was able to, they say you can't go back. Well, I was able to go back to one of my more favorite groups in, in Austin, uh, uh, Texas and old friends. And it's been wonderful. And I'm still doing that Zoom meeting with them on Sunday. So now that I'm semi-retired, I'm doing... I'd say three meetings a week, and uh, I really enjoy it. I really do. After all these years, yeah, I got no intention of stopping, uh, not because I feel like I'm close to a drink, but because it, it just brings me so much happiness, so much joy, and it gives me an opportunity to serve. So, yeah, I'm one of those guys, a uh, strong advocate of going to uh, meetings and plan to do it until they bury me. I tell you, it shows up. You light up talking about it. And it's been longer than 90 days. I think it's been 10,000 or something. I never, I, I forget the math, but it's something like that. I'd love to call up my first sponsor if I could ever track him down and be like, yo, Alan. Yeah, I'm up to like 10,000, buddy. What do you think of that? <laughs> Can I back off a little now? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Alan, if you're listening, email podcast at aagrapevine.org. We'll get you connected. <laughs> Wonderful first sponsor. Wonderful. Folks, you can sign up to receive daily quotes at aagrapevine.org, and they'll be delivered to your email inbox, or you can read them every day in the Grapevine app. Um, I'm going to pick a couple randomly and see what we think. And, you know, Don and I have been, like, filling up this document of daily quotes that we've liked, and uh, we're at 13 pages of them. <laughs> Golly. Ted, just give me a number between 1 and 13. Six. Most of the important and astounding things that have happened to me in the last 18 years of sobriety in AA have been slow in coming and impossible to recognize or appreciate until long after they took place. Ted, does that speak to you in some way? It does. Uh, I think prior to coming into AA, that immediate gratification was a dynamic. I think that's why we part of the reason we drink. I'm feeling something I don't want to, and we throw back a shot. So the slow in coming... Uh, has a nice appeal and uh, talk about astounding things. You know, I'm 60 now and semi-retired. And so you get a little more perspective or I have. And I think the things that have really mattered in life are the friendships that I've uh, developed in AA and helping folks recover or being patient with folks who aren't being patient with themselves. I mean, it's just like the step 12 says, true ambition is not what we thought it was. Life is completely different and and it's just better. That's what I get out of that quote. 
Uh, my mind instantly goes to uh, something that my sponsor uh, calls the masked man syndrome, as in who was that masked man? Uh, and it shows up when I encounter a situation that is similar to something that I've experienced in my past, but my reaction to it today is completely different. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect it. It wasn't something that I consciously tried to do differently. I just reacted differently. And like, who was that masked man? I broke a beloved cup of mine. It's a Bugs Bunny cup, which I have right here. And you can see that it's broken and I had to glue it back together. I've had this cup since the 80s and I love this cup and have protected it, guarded it to prevent it from ever cracking or breaking. And the other day I was washing the dishes and a dish hit it and it broke. And I went, well, all things pass. This is just uh, the way of the world. And every I can't hold on to anything because everything will change. And I was like, well, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't. I just let go of it in an instant. You may have been changed, Don. I may have been, because I can tell you, I would, I, five years ago, I would have been angry and had a little tantrum. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still sick, but getting better. You're doing great. You're doing great. All right, we've got another one here that I want to throw out here because uh, in it is a uh, highlighted note that I wrote. I have never mastered the art of self-sponsorship, and I doubt that I ever will. Harrisonburg, Virginia, May 1991. Lonely at the top from the book Emotional Sobriety. I need a sponsor. And even though I've been sober for a long time, I need a sponsor that I talk to on a regular basis because I can't see myself clearly. I'm, everything I do is clouded by my emotions. I'm told I have a bald spot on the back of my head. But I look in this mirror or I look in the camera here in our little Hollywood square boxes that we're on recording this podcast, and I don't see that bald spot, but... Oh, there it is. I'm told that it's there. Don, it's a little bigger now, too. <laughs> and I need a sponsor. I'm curious, you've had a lot of opportunities over the years to find sponsors. Um, how do you go about finding a sponsor? Praying about it, asking God to bring people into my life that he wants me to be around, not necessarily that I would pick, but I go to meetings and listen. It hasn't been real complex. Sometimes it's taken a while, but once I sort of get around a person that I eventually asked to be my sponsor, it, it felt very natural. And, and no one ever was like, makes you feel awkward or anything like, you know, that they're always like, well, I'd be flattered. I'd be glad to, you know, so I, I think it stops a lot of people from getting sponsors is that fear of, of rejection. But, you know, this isn't like asking a date to the prom. These are people who they have sponsors and they want help and they know the value of helping people. So I had to change sponsors late in sobriety about 10 years ago. I found it hard to just ask the question, just because it was like, I don't want someone else telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm scared he's going <laughs> to tell me to do something I don't want to do. So I don't know if I should ask this guy. <laughs> oh, Don, I didn't say I was going to listen to that or take that advice. <laughs> <laughs>
There's some honesty. That'd be crazy. (laughs) Ted, thanks for joining us today. This has been fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ted. Likewise, guys. Really appreciate uh, being able to spend the time with you and get to know you a little better. And now when we listen to that podcast in the meetings, I'll be like, I know what those guys look like. And Don (laughs) does have a bald spot on the back. The Grapevine and Lavinia apps are now available for both iOS and Android phones. To get yours, go to the App Store on your phone and search for AA Grapevine or Lavinia. Grapevine is looking for CPC stories. What is CPC? Cooperation with the professional community. If you have provided doctors, therapists, clergy, lawyers, teachers, parole officers, and other professionals information about AA, then you have done CPC work. And we want your stories about how you got into that kind of service, what it's like, what you've learned, and how it's enhanced your sobriety. Alternatively, did a professional help you find your way to AA? That's the other side of CPC work. Or are you a professional who found out about AA from members doing CPC work? Stories can be from 300 words to 1,800 words in length. Please send your stories to aagrapevine.org backslash share. Stories are due by April 1st, 2024. He came home tired and thirsty, his thoughts centered fondly on the fluid refreshment he had stashed away from the disapproving eyes of his wife. After a strategic delay, he strolled nonchalantly into the bedroom and began easing open the closet door. Hey, what are you hunting, dear? Oh, oh, not a thing. Then you'll find it in that bottle you thought you'd hidden from me. (laughs) (laughs) thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism podcast info including how to call in is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast search aa grapevine in the app store on your phone or find aa grapevine on instagram and youtube all things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org if you want to know more about aa search online for alcoholics anonymous in your city or visit aa.org that was freaking amazing listening to the so podcast if y'all want to like take notes of where don messed up and send those to the <laughs> okay, email those okay to okay us, enough let... of this you're gonna i'm gonna get a resentment with you two and i'm gonna have to talk to my sponsor about it gsr you got the don mistake note taker so it's like a roll <laughs> <laughs>